Hi, and welcome back to the Mission Minded Podcast. I'm Jim Tingler, co-host with Mitch Deans. Hey, Jim. Mitch. It's good to be back. It's good to have you. The Australian accent, again, it takes it to the another, another level. We, we love having you on there. I enjoy being on here with you. That's good. Who, who is our guest today? Yeah, so we just wrapped up a, a really good podcast uh, with actually a New York Times bestselling author. This might be our first, I, I don't know, Steve Saint, he might be a New York Times bestselling author. Could I'm, be. not, I'm not sure on that. I'm not but, sure either. But. but yeah, her name's Ellen Vaughn. She's from Virginia. Um, she has recently released a book uh, called Becoming Elizabeth Elliot. Yeah. So kind of a, an awesome look into Elizabeth's life and um, the time she spent with the Waldani and just her authentic faith and radical, her radical faith that she lived out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shares a little bit about the journey of writing the book. Mm-hmm. And she's also written or co-written 23 other books. So what did good. she say? It was a mixture of despair and yeah. triumph. Yeah. It's a journey <laughs> each time. So I, I could imagine. I think she said the book was, I think, like 133,000 words. And she had the number, like 103,412 words. Yeah, definitely takes a special person to commit wow. to something like that. Yeah, I mean, we're sitting here. We've got a her book in the Bible right next to it. I think it's it, it's a little bit bigger than that. I I think the print's a little the smaller little in the smaller Bible. Yeah, Bible. yeah. So no, no, it's a, it's a great book. Yeah. Uh, my wife actually finished it, liked it. I'm currently going through it in the Audible version. Me too. I'm not the best reader, so I get distracted really easily. So yeah. Listening helps. So yeah, I, I love audiobooks. I have a commute about 40 minutes each way to and from work. So I take that time to listen to books. And so far, I'm, I'm really enjoying yeah. the book. So, you know, your wife is quite the audible book listener. She is. I think last year she listened to 150 plus books. I thought I was up there. When, when you go in into Audible, you can see how... How many hours somebody has spent or even days and so i thought i was up there because i think i'm over a month now i'm over a month of my life has been you know listening to audible and i don't give you time though sure You're learning yeah. sure Growing. yeah it's great i've enjoyed it yeah. um but I, I thought that was something you you know where ashley's at in that journey you do have you looked at that For this year no total the total time. I do not know. I believe she was over 11 months. She might cheat a bit though because she falls asleep listening to books. Okay. So I don't know how much, how many books she's actually completed it was impressive. while I've, being I've conscious. Never, I've never seen that, you know. But com- compared to me, I read two books last year. So she's on, okay. she's on another level. Okay. But. Well, for those who are interested, whether the Audible format or the hard copy, Becoming Elizabeth Elliot is out there, and today I hope you enjoy hearing from the author, share her story and journey, and what she learned in writing it. Welcome to Mission Minded, the podcast where we explore outside-the-box thinking in carrying out Christ's Great Commission. On today's episode, we are joined by Ellen Vaughn, author of Becoming Elizabeth Elliot. Our sponsor for today's podcast is Dignity Roasters Coffee. Locally roasted and packaged by the distressed to fuel each day. Dignity Roasters was born through a passion to partner with the distressed and the desire of bringing the universally loved beverage of coffee to your hands. To 
your own coffee or to learn more about Dignity Roasters, visit their website at DignityRoasters.com. Now here's our host, Jim Tingler and Mitch Deans. Hey, Ellen. Thanks for joining us today. It's great to be with you guys. Ellen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you're involved in? Well, I am a writer and I've written about two dozen books over my writing career. And the reason I love being a writer is because I'm so curious about stories, about how is it that God connects with with human beings and uh, how does he break into our, our lives on this poor, broken planet. And I love, uh, particularly in my writing life, one of the best uh, gifts and blessings that I have had from it is the chance to to travel around the world and to developing nations and to India and parts of Africa and Vietnam and China and Cambodia and South America and to meet men and women who are part of the body of Christ around the world and to hear their stories and then to try to write those stories in a way that that those of us who live in in comfort in North America can can really see the the grandeur of what God is doing in a big scale. So my writing life has has been going a long time now. Uh, When I was a little girl, I was very impressed by the writings of C.S. Lewis. And um, I think I'm like a lot of people in that. And none of us could become a C.S. Lewis, but it was in his writing that I felt like, oh my gosh, you can see the, the power of words on the page to evoke truth that that we recognize but we couldn't have articulated ourselves and so by god's grace i was able to pursue a goal of becoming a writer and entering into a a writing life and he has taken me to many great places and exposed me to all kinds of wonderful people like the people at iTech because of my writing life that's great yeah and we love on the podcast having conversations with people that are involved in in the great commission in different ways and you know this being an author of course is is a little bit of a different approach to that and so when we think about being an author what what role can an author play in in the great commission and challenging people in that and some of the authors that that come to mind would be a john piper would be a david platt which you know david as well um I guess you're, you're a part of David's church, right? Yes, yes. And so what, what role can an author play yes, in that? To hear him. Well, and there are practical things that come to mind as well as philosophical things. And for me, I feel like being a writer, you know, you read the word of God and you think about who is Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And you see in the whole story of scripture, the power of the written word to to evoke through the power of the Holy Spirit, God's truth. And I feel like writing, even though it is, is far less than scripture, of course, has that same power. The written word has the, the potential to be a vehicle for truth. Mm-hmm. And so for me in my, you know, humble writings or for someone like a, a John Piper or David Platt or or so many of the great preachers and, and writers of the centuries who have preceded us, it is the the words on the page that that um, exist long after those writers are dead, that that can the Holy Spirit can use to 
to motivate people. How many of us have had our lives changed uh, in ways big and small by by reading something that that really stuck with us? And so when I think about the Great Commission, you know, our calling as followers of Jesus to make disciples and to to um, to do our part in the ways that God has gifted each of us, you know, to to bring the reality of people from every tribe and nation, every people group on this planet to be gathered around the throne of Jesus, as that great scene in Revelation at the end of all things. What's our role in that? Uh, I think writers have a, a, a duty, a stewardship to to write the truth, to write stories that show the truth. Uh, and each of us in our work, whether it's in technology or teaching or dentistry or the medical world or uh, at home raising small children, any of our tasks all fit together to help tell the, the story of the Great Commission and to disciple people, to pass on the good news, to live it out mm -hmm. in whatever realm in which God has placed us. And I'll say one more thing. David Platt is a, a wonderful pastor to our local community of believers here in Northern Virginia. And of course, his teaching, like all the others right now, uh, extends through cyberspace to everybody. Um, and it has a way of, of galvanizing us, I think, to think beyond our own boxes. And it also, particularly with a, a David Platt or a Piper, certainly, you see how easily we can kind of settle for living the American dream, you know, living a life of comfort or doing the next thing to advance ourselves right. or, or whatever. That's, that's quite understandable, but a, a great... Um, uh, writer can bring us out of that to consider some radical things. What would the Holy Spirit have me do? How mm -hmm. can my life really make a difference for eternity? So uh, that's a, a meandering answer, but certainly we all have a role to play in the Great Commission, but writers have the opportunity to put down words on a page that can be transmitted you know, to, to touch other people by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and to share other people's stories. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So I think as a, a Christian author, you have a, you're in a unique kind of position or role, and you you have an opportunity to encourage people in the Great Commission, and I think you've definitely done that with your your recent book, right? Um, Becoming is Elizabeth Elliot. Mm. Um, so do you just want to explain kind of briefly um, why you chose to? To write about Elizabeth Elliot and and who yeah. you were who you were writing for as you as you did. Sure, uh, I had grown up uh, hearing Elizabeth Elliot speak a few times. I had uh, read some of her books and I respected her. I grew up in a family uh, where we always hosted missionaries in our home, mm -hmm. and so I grew up hearing the great missionary stories. So from the time I was a small. Uh, child, you know, I had heard about Nate Saint, Jim Elliot, and 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 the guys who had lost their lives in in the Ecuadorian jungle back in the 1950s, and so a lot of respect for Elizabeth Elliot and the other women and men who who served uh, with her. And but I wasn't sure I liked her very much. I admired her, mm -hmm. but she didn't seem in real life like a very approachable person or a relatable person. 
And so I was actually working on another book, Minding My Own Business, and um, Valerie Elliott Shepard, Elizabeth's daughter, and Elizabeth's best friend approached me, and they were the, the stewards of Elizabeth's story. And, and they actually had contacted my agent, who contacted me and said, would you have any interest in, in writing this biography, this authorized biography of Elizabeth Elliott? And so I, I felt like that was a tremendous opportunity mm-hmm. to tell a great story and to delve into someone's life who had so poured herself out for Christ in some pretty radical ways. And uh, I felt like I got to know her then as I, as I read her journals. I had decades and decades and decades, piles of these, these journals, I don't know if you can see on the screen, but that are the, the handwritten, uh, uh, just unfolding of a life on a page. And it was such a wild experience of seeing her life unfold in Ecuador before Jim and the other guys had had uh, died during her time when she went and she lived among the Wadani. Mm-hmm. To see her life unfold in real time and to see, to read it where I knew what was going to happen and she didn't know what was coming. Mm-hmm. Very wild experience, I got to tell you. So so anyway, the, the journals, I think, of Elizabeth Elliot were the the keys to telling her story mm-hmm. because the person in the journals, I really liked her. She was witty. She was funny. She was self-deprecating. She was very real. Mm-hmm. And I think we all relate with the stories of real people, not these caricatures who are sort of these plastic saints, but real human beings who make uh, mistakes, who, who struggle with all kinds of things and yet are determined to obey Jesus in all things. Mm-hmm. Was there a specific um, group of people or audience you were thinking about as you were writing this book? Yes, I, I think uh, I ha- most people my age are familiar with Elizabeth Elliot if you grew up in a, a Christian setting. You've yeah. heard that story. Mm-hmm. But I really found, I mean, most people, millennials and, and younger we're not familiar at all. Elizabeth Elliot, who is, who is that and why should I care? And I wanted to write for those people because I felt like there is such a hunger today for authentic faith, mm-hmm. for what it, not religion, not all the trappings, but, but what does it look like to, to follow Jesus? And what difference does it make in living a life of significance and authenticity? And I felt like Elizabeth Elliot and... and People like her of that time period uh, make a great um, story. Elizabeth Elliot hated the the term role model. She never would want you like, oh, what a great role model. No, but kind of a visible witness of of what what does a life look like in spite of its mistakes, lived for Jesus. So I wrote for people of, of millennials and younger, and it has been gratifying to hear from so many who were like, I'd never heard of this woman or of, of the other wonderful people who she worked with in the jungle, but I loved her story. Yeah, that's great. I guess in much the same ways as we read through the Bible and, mm-hmm. and see people living out authentic faith, we can do the same for, for people in modern times as well. And uh, I think this book... Um, definitely does that for the audience, gives them a picture of of authentic and also radical faith and 
living out the Great Commission. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll chuck up the, the throw up the link um, for people who haven't. Yeah, absolutely. To get absolutely. Um, and yeah, so, you yeah, you throw but, out that link. Yeah, tell people be feel free buy 50 copies. Go huh. right ahead. Yeah, <laughs> sure. We um, we'll, we'll have a link certainly below. Uh, the The book is entitled "Becoming Elizabeth Elliot." And one of the things, uh, you know, I, I'd love to hear is how, I mean, obviously you've spent a ton of time in her journals and in reading through, and how has that affected your faith? And, and how do you feel her story can affect others today? I mean, it was a different era. Thing, things were a lot different in the 1950s, uh, but maybe just share some of the things that, that you've learned along the way. Yeah, I feel like um, when when one is writing a book, for his glory, uh, you're always surprised about how he will use it in your own life, mm -hmm. right? And um, I think for me in particular, it was uncanny some of the parallels of my own life that happened as I was writing this book about Elizabeth Elliot. My Husband has a, a very grim, aggressive, fatal, nasty brain cancer. And as I was researching the book, he had a, a number of uh, where the cancer flared up, basically. And he nearly lost his life a number of times and had very severe, massive brain surgery. So I found myself, as Lee was going through this terrible physical challenge, I was reading Elizabeth Elliot's journals in, in ICUs and in emergency rooms and in waiting rooms outside the operating room. And, and I think what I took away from the book, and I say this at the end of the book, I found that the same radical, that's the word we've used several times, sure faith in who God is that carried Elizabeth through her losses through disappointments, through all kinds of suffering in her life. She had a, a life marked by suffering in many ways. The same truths that carried her so well carried me in my own journey, in the own perhaps imminent loss of my own husband, in the aftermath, which has been extremely difficult in some of the changes that he has experienced because of, of brain injury. And so... I think another person who I really respect who has gone through such suffering, of course, is Steve Saint. Mm. And Steve would be the first to say, as he has many times, that it is in suffering that we meet God in a more intimate way. And so I feel like for me, in even being the, the, the steward of trying to tell Elizabeth's story well, as God would have it, I learned more about him and the realities of his absolute presence and how one can have joy in the midst of suffering uh, as I was writing this book. So my hope is everybody goes through different types of suffering. Elizabeth said suffering is um, having what you don't want or wanting what you don't have. And that can be big or small. It doesn't have to be the violent loss of your loved one or uh, such a thing. But um, all of us experience different types of suffering. And um, I think that that's why her story appeals to me. It's easy to have kind of a cheerful, fulfilling Christian faith when all is going well. 
But today, in this broken world, we realize that more than ever, we need a faith that that is real and has power in the midst of, of hard times. Amen. Mm, definitely. I think for those even considering going into ministry or missions, just to to know that reality that hardship is is um what's the word it's a part of the journey yeah a part of the journey <laughs> for sure yeah. yeah and i think um sometimes in north america we're conditioned we, we expect life to be pretty easy with mm. occasional hard times right and one thing i learned from elizabeth elliott is to have better expectations that life we it, it, jesus said in this world you will have trouble and so I expect the difficulties, and it's a wonderful thing when something goes remotely easily, you know? Sure. So well, uh, sometimes sometimes I think our expectations can become an idol, hmm. and that's something that, that kind of came out of um, my immersion in Betty Elliott's life. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing, and um, what's the state or current state of your husband uh virginia no um he is uh uh, his cancer will always be with us and so it's kind of a situation of waiting for the other shoe to drop uh he's had a number of of different radioactive isotope therapy uh, um, treatments and all kinds of other things and the doctors have been great so right now um we're doing well six months from now maybe not but even that the sense of yeah the cancer is always going to be there and at one point it will take him well that's true of all of us we don't know how much time we have you know and so we get to live with a little bit more of an awareness of that which is actually a gift so it's hard but it is all right Amen. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Well, again, thank you for sharing. And I know there are so many challenges when you try to do a project like writing a book. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't imagine um, the challenges with your spouse and, and the journey mm-hmm. you've been on. But as an author, what are some of the challenges? And I mean, for those who are listening, uh, they don't get to see the the little back porch writing area i'm not sure you probably have a name for it but it's a it's a beautiful little place for writing but what are some of the challenges that you run into as an author i mean i'm sure there's days you just don't feel like writing (laughs) well that that is true and this is where elizabeth elliott she's she's right on i just read a thing in her her journal i'm working on volume two of the second volume of her biography as we speak (laughs) and uh, just read this journal entry. She's trying to write a book and she's stuck and she's having a hard time. And she said, "Um, last night I dreamed that I was washing this huge, had a sink full of lukewarm, dirty dishes and, and cold water and congealed grease. And I kept washing and washing and I couldn't get any of the dishes clean. She said, that's what writing is like. (laughs) So there's a cheerful thought for you. But uh, you're right. Our our friends who are listening um, and not watching a video, I have a great space. I need light in order to write. So I have a a sunroom on the back of our house. It's all windows. And um, I have a very uh, dedicated regimen. I need to get to my desk first thing in the morning. And um, 
I think that every writer can uh, tell you that it is a, a sense of despair. I'll never get this done. I can't do this. And paragraph by paragraph, you, you begin to spit it out. And then I think what happens is the Holy Spirit gives you a little idea and then you begin to run with that. And then it's like it begins to flow a little bit. And then you're exultant and you're happy and you feel like life is wonderful. <laughs> and so for me, writing is alternately great delight and great despair every day. So it's a, I, it's a love-hate um, relationship in some ways. And I think most writers would tell you that. And one of the best things about the writing life, I alluded to it earlier, is um, the chance to travel. And maybe you guys were going to ask about this, but I have to say one of my favorite parts of writing this book about Elizabeth Elliot was I had to do field work in Ecuador, right? I had to go down and to to where she ministered among the Waodani and, and to meet them and to be with those people. And that's where I got to know ITEC because I piggybacked and went on an ITEC uh, trip down to Ecuador, and I would recommend that to anybody who's listening. Uh, it was one of the highlights of the writing of this book was the chance to do research among the Waodani themselves. And it is one thing to read about a place. It's another thing to sit in the absolute um, darkness of the, the Amazon rainforest in the middle of the night and to smell the smells and listen to the sounds of the jungle and in the mornings to hear the fire being stoked up and the Waodani talking to one another in their own language and to think, oh my Lord, where am I now? And where I was was with brothers and sisters of Christ around the fire in the jungle because some brave men and women went so many years ago to begin to to bring the gospel, the Great Commission, right? Yeah. Amen. I mean, traveling definitely gives you a bigger picture of the church. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah exactly. And um, I, I thought since I was meeting up with you guys, you know, I would wear my, my uh, T-shirt from that trip, okay? And so there's, I don't know if those who are watching online can see, can see but... Uh, I'm wearing a, a bright blue shirt with the word Waponi on it, which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it, but is that not the Waodani word for I see it well? Yep, that's right. And so I ended up after my first trip down there, I took a second trip, a bunch of, of women, and uh, it was a, a combination trip, and we'll talk more about that later. But we had these T-shirts made because we love the idea that the Waodani people say of when they like something, they say, Waponi, I like it. And if I love it. I see it well. And for me, that has been a really neat picture of the scripture. You think of the, um, the scripture in um, Ephesians um, where basically the Apostle Paul is talking about, um, I pray that God will open the eyes of your heart, that you may be enlightened. And I feel like for all of us, you know, you talk about the Great Commission or, or having a sense of doing what God is calling us to do. We have to see it well. We have to discern not according to what is physically in front of us, but to the realities of what is eternal. And so when I wear this crazy Waponi t-shirt, that's what it reminds me of, to see things well, to see with God's eyes. That's great. 
Yeah, there's different tones as well for Waboni. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's great. I don't know how anyone learns their language. It is so hard <laughs> to pronounce. Yeah, gives you. Do you speak any of it? No, that's not me. That, <laughs> Mitch, how about you? No. I have not nope. attempted yet. No. Okay, okay. But I do like that would language, be interesting. So, yeah. That would. Yeah, be. yeah, with it, the Australian accent, with the, that would be good. Yeah, right. That would it'd be fun. <laughs> be an interesting twang to it. But it gives yeah. you all the more respect too for those you know the spending and laboring in Bible translation. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, just yeah, yeah, whole another layer. So. Yeah, so you were saying that you're currently working on the second volume of Becoming Elizabeth Elliot. Yes. How, I, how far through that journey are you? <laughs> well, I'm in the beginnings. Uh, okay. And I'm discovering, much to my sorrow, that it's going to be harder to write than the first book. You know, mm. the first book kind of had its own narrative story to it, and it mostly had to do with this idealistic young missionary going to Ecuador and then learning much more about God than she had realized in her somewhat legalistic growing up years, mm -hmm. okay? And it was self-contained and it had the dramatic backdrop of the jungle and the men's deaths and then Elizabeth and Rachel Saint going and living among the Waodani. So it, it kind of hummed along. It had its own um, contained story. Now I have like the next uh, 60 years of her life to write. Mm. And uh, so she's back in America and it's the rest of the story. So um, if I had tried to put it all in one volume, it would have been a 75 pound book and nobody wants to carry that around, right? So it was easier uh, to divide it into two volumes and to, uh, it's interesting if the first book was this young woman becoming Elizabeth Elliot. The second book is more being Elizabeth Elliot and uh, the mature person and um, the continuing twists and turns in her story. Right. So I, I'm slogging along. It's allegedly due to come out in the fall of 2022. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, God that's... willing. Yeah. <laughs> and is that going to be the title being Elizabeth Elliot or is that still um, a working title? Yeah, it's a working title. So. Okay. We'll see, you know, we never name the baby until it's born. So we have okay. to see how it turns out. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So how many words was the Becoming Elizabeth Elliot? <laughs> how many words was I, the book? I think it was about 133,412 well-chosen words. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, it's a pretty stout book, but it's uh, yep. full of great stories. So yeah. I've started it. My wife finished it and loved it. Mitch, you're you're in it too. I started it on Audible. Okay. Yeah. Good. So good. Um, yeah. I have a great friend um, who who did the narration for the the audiobook, and she was one of the women I took to Ecuador, and um, so she she too knows about Waponi. Right. <laughs> That's great. Great friend. Yeah. Nice. All right. So there's uh. As, as you're working on volume two, um, that's not the only work that you're involved in. So yeah. maybe share a little bit about some of the other projects or, uh, you know, organizations you're involved in, if you don't mind. Yeah. Well, I mentioned when I, I first went to Ecuador to the Waodani people and to their settlement with ITEC. And then while I was there, I was so struck by what ITEC is doing, not just in Ecuador, of course, but all over the world, 
and got to know a little bit more about you guys and, and what's happening in the ministry. And then it was very organic for me. I serve and have served for some years on the board of a ministry called International Cooperating Ministries, ICM, icm.org, if you want to look it up. And I felt like ICM is all about working with existing other ministries to fan the flame of what God is doing among indigenous people around the world. And so on the second time I went to Ecuador last year, actually the last um, international travel I did before COVID shut us all down, right? Uh, I took about 20 women from um, who were familiar with ICM and we went to visit among Quechua churches that ICM is working with in Ecuador. But we also went to Shell and visited with what ITEC is doing in Ecuador. And I just felt like it was a, a beautiful picture of the kind of cooperation that ministries can do who are like-minded and who are um, sharing in a vision of, of how can we build up the kingdom, how can we advance the Great Commission, how can we equip and disciple indigenous believers wherever they are. And so I have the other side benefit of um, working on a book like uh, Becoming Elizabeth Elliot is all the great people I've met through it, and then being able to see something like iTech and think, oh, wow, and here's a great sister ministry, ICM, and try to see how can we um, cooperate with what God is doing in places like Ecuador, and how can we give each other lift in those places. Yeah, amen. Yeah. That's great stuff. Well, you have a lot of things going on in your world, certainly, and uh, we appreciate the opportunity to peer into your writing studio <laughs> and uh, hear some of the challenges that it took for you to finish this book, and we look forward to the next one in the future. How would somebody keep up with Ellen Vaughn in your writing and mm. be um, in the know when that book comes out? Oh, that's a, a kind question. I am the worst person in the world about um, social media and doing all the right things so everybody knows what you're doing. <laughs> I'm horrible at maintaining my own website, which is ellenvaughn.com, right? But those are some of the avenues where people could, could check in. And um, I'll try to do a better job about... Um, blogging and posting and, and making my presence known <laughs> out there in the mainstream. Well, you do have a little write-up on the journey to writing Becoming Elizabeth Elliot at the ellenvaughn.com. So that's, yes. uh, we'll, we'll have a link in the show notes, but it's E-L-L-E-N-V-A-U-G-H-N.com. So yes. people can check that out. Yeah, thank you. And I'll try to be better about keeping it up. Oh, well, thank you. Right? Thank you again for the, the work you're doing. And Mitch, do you have any final thoughts as we wrap up? I was just going to ask you, I know there's quite a few people who watch the podcast and, and listen as well. And I'm sure a lot of those people are, are prayers. So is there anything, Ellen, that people can be praying for mm -hmm. you for during yeah. this season as you're writing the book and, and serving on this ministry, ICM? Well, that is so kind of you. And I think... Uh, I would ask for prayer. I'd ask for prayer uh, to be, I feel like God has given me the task of trying to tell this story, which is not just about Elizabeth Elliot, but about all the people uh, who um, were so associated with her. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I feel like that is kingdom work. So I want to be faithful to the stewardship of this opportunity and this task that has been given to me. So pray for that. And um, I think I, as I have come increasingly in everyday life to see our, our situation that we have, that Lee and I have, um, with his brain cancer and the changes it has brought to him, I pray to be faithful to that. You know, what does joy look like in the midst of a, a tough daily challenge? You know, so many people struggle with chronic daily issues. And uh, so I certainly would ask for prayer. I think we can all ask for this prayer, right? That mm -hmm. we be faithful in what God is calling us to do, that we be faithful stewards of what he has given to us to manage. So that's the prayer. Yeah, thank you for sharing those. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I really appreciate you guys and what you're doing. And I just love, as I've said, you know, the connection with iTech and, and the change. ministry springs from and i i honor that so keep up the great work thank you ellen and you know it's one of those things where we love the fact that we can provide an opportunity for those you know who aren't familiar with an ellen vaughn or other people trying to to play their role in the great commission and again just thank you for sharing your story today thank you thanks it's been an honor to be with you blessings to you Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Mission Minded Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Mission Minded. For more information on today's topic and show notes, please visit our website, itechusa.org. Mission Minded Podcast is produced by iTech. The goal of this podcast is to inspire conversations about Great Commission participation. The views, organizations, and individuals represented, interviewed, and discussed on the podcast do not necessarily represent an official position or formal partnerships with iTech.